Today's reading is Genesis chapter 40, the cupbearer and the baker. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it was budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are the three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are the three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so that once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Jesus, Joseph. He forgot him. Morning, everybody. Morning, everybody at home as well. On Wednesday morning, 
I checked the BBC News website, as I usually do, and there at the top of the page was a beautiful picture of a smiling little girl waving with one hand and clutching an ice lolly in the other. Four-year-old Cleo, safe after going missing for 18 days in Australia during a camping trip. At the end of what only could have been an agonizing time for her family, it must have seemed a miracle. I guess uh, moving forward for them, there will be some difficult times as they begin to process everything and try to understand the events. But it was good to share in their overwhelming relief and joy at the reunion. But it, it is unfortunately so rare for events such as this to end in good news. Every day, people face difficulties and traumas of all descriptions that don't seem to have a positive conclusion. What if the pain and the darkness threatens to engulf and overwhelm? What if the miracle doesn't happen? What then? This morning, we return to the story of Joseph, and we find him in very difficult circumstances. Uh, let's just recap some of the events that Joseph has faced so far. His mother died during his early life. At about the age of 17, so just a boy really, his brothers, who should have been the ones to, to care for him and protect him, they plot to kill him. He's sold as a slave by those brothers, who thought nothing of profiting from the situation. He's falsely accused imprisoned in a strange land where he just seems to be forgotten. And what had he done to deserve any of that? A victim of human trafficking, a victim of a miscarriage of justice. Why? Because he'd got on the wrong side of his brothers? Humanly speaking, it would be easy to despair at the unfairness of it all. Let down by his family, his freedom snatched away, his hopes and dreams seemingly dashed. Joseph could have become a very angry and bitter man. It could have made him turn away from God completely. So how was it that Joseph was able to get through these dark times and still maintain his faith and trust in God? I'm just going to go back uh, to the, the chapter that we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago in chapter 39. And in chapter 39, verse 2, I think it gives us the answer. It says, The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Four times in chapter 39, we're told that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, we could read that and say, Oh, that's nice. Sort of a spiritual pat on the head, a nicety. But those five words, the Lord was with Joseph, express so much more. A much deeper, foundational truth in Joseph's life. A truth that motivated Joseph to live well and with integrity, despite his external circumstances. So in verse 2, we're told that Joseph is taken to Egypt and sold to Potiphar. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph. In verse 3, we see Joseph working hard for his master. 
And it tells us the Lord was with him. In verse 21, when Joseph is falsely put into prison, the Lord was with him. And in verse 23, Joseph shows himself to be responsible and honorable in prison. The Lord was with Joseph. This morning, we will wrestle with that question of how to sustain our faith in times of difficulty, when days seem dark and the future uncertain, when darkness seems to surround and the path ahead seems just too difficult to face. We'll start with the life of Joseph, and we'll explore how the faithfulness of God was evident in the circumstances he faced, and we'll consider how we can be assured of his constant presence and his comfort, peace, and healing. So let's think again about the verse that we mentioned earlier when we were reminded that the Lord was with Joseph. Each time that we're told the Lord was with Joseph, we're then immediately given a follow-up where we're told that Joseph prospered, that he had success in everything he did. So the question I asked myself was this, If God is with me, does that mean all will be well, that life will be easy, that I'll succeed in everything I do? Well, let's consider Joseph first. The presence of God did not exempt Joseph from difficulty. Joseph was still a slave. He was still far from home, from his family and from where he wanted to be. He was still unjustly in prison. Now he's let down by a cupbearer who, despite Joseph's help, forgets all about him. But Joseph knew the presence and the authority of God. And he knew that God had a purpose for him in his present circumstances. So he went faithfully about his work, not doing it for praise or for personal wealth and gain, but for the Lord. For Joseph, God's prosperity meant not wealth, but the gift of wisdom and great skill in management. He wouldn't know until later, but those skills would be vital in his role as governor of Egypt and to bring about God's purposes in saving his people. God's prosperity for Joseph was the gift of a strong mind, the wisdom to interpret dreams and qualities that made him a leader even when he was in chains. But what does God's prosperity mean for us? And I I like this explanation I found from uh, Jolene Philo from the North Point Church. And she says, God's prosperity doesn't come in the form of material riches, glamorous lives or notoriety. Instead, it is a prosperity of the heart, the strong and sure assurance gained through sensing God's presence as he guides us through darkness into a future we can't imagine or conceive. This prosperity comes from looking back and recognizing the times God went ahead of us and prepared us to do his work. I think that phrase, prosperity of the heart, is really interesting. It reminds me that whatever our external circumstances, whatever life throws our way, It is possible to find an inner wholeness, a completeness that only God can bring. Through Christ and his victory on the cross, we have an eternal hope. 
But following Christ does not exempt us from pain or suffering now. Life can be tough at times, really tough. And it's important that we acknowledge the very real, uncomfortable emotions that we feel in those moments. If this morning you are struggling, I want to remind you that we have a God who never leaves us. A God who loves us and cares for us. God sees your pain. He sees your hurt. He sees your tears, your frustration. He sees it. In 1 Peter verse, chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. When we believe in God and submit our hearts to his will and purpose, he gives us a joy, a peace that carries us through that pain, the grief, the tears and the sorrow. When we're struggling with our health, our finances, when our plans and dreams disappoint, when friends let us down, when loss threatens to overwhelm us, then just as God was with Joseph, so he promises to be with you. Lean into his love and trust his promise to supply all that you need. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. This is the difference that Jesus makes. Christ alone is our hope, the one who leads us out of darkness into his glorious light. Christ, our unshakable, firm foundation. Jesus longs to make a difference in your life. He is waiting for you to accept his love and for you to put his trust in him. If you long for your heart to be stilled from anxious thoughts, his peace can be yours today. There's no anxiety that cannot be stilled by the perfect peace of God and no pain so deep that cannot be healed by his touch. I guess there must have been moments in prison when Joseph wondered when and if he would be released, especially when it became clear that the cupbearer was enjoying his freedom and had completely forgotten about Joseph. Chapter 41, which is the chapter after the one that Alan read to us, tells us that two more years passed before Joseph was called on to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. Two more years of not knowing what the future held. But after two years, Joseph was called to interpret the dream that Pharaoh had had. The dream warned of dark times ahead when there would be food shortages across the country. There would be seven years of abundant crops when grain would be plentiful, followed by seven years of severe famine. The wisdom that God had granted Joseph in interpreting the dream enabled him to give Pharaoh wise advice about how best to face what the future held. So Joseph tells Pharaoh, let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the years of abundance. 
This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt. Well, unlike the dreams of Pharaoh, we don't often get warning of when the storms of life will happen so that we can prepare for it. More often than not, they blindside us. They are unexpected events that shake us. And yes, I think we can learn something from the life of Joseph about this idea of storing up. We can consider our times of plenty to be those times when we're standing firm in our faith, when life is going well. Like we sang earlier, when we're in a land that is plentiful. In those times, store those moments and memories in your heart. Then you can draw on those reserves when you find you're in a time of need. This poem by Ruth Kalkin spoke to me about using our stored reserves in times of need. It reminds us that we should not judge whether we perceive God to be present depending on our circumstances. When darkness surrounds us, we might doubt God's love and his character. But those are the times when we need to rely on what we know, not on what we feel. God is the same God in times of comfort as he is in times of suffering. He is just as close to us in the darkness and the tough times as he is in the abundant times. Today, Lord, I have unshakable conviction, a positive, resolute assurance that what you have spoken is unalterably true. But today, Lord, my sick body feels stronger and the stomping pain quietly subsides. Tomorrow... And then tomorrow, if I must struggle again with aching exhaustion, with twisting pain until I'm breathless, until I'm utterly spent, until fear eclipses the last vestige of hope, then, Lord, then grant me the enabling grace to believe without feeling, to know without seeing, to clasp your invisible hand And wait with invincible trust for the morning. For the morning. Our God rules with sovereign love and grace over every circumstance that we encounter. Although our circumstances change, God never changes. He is faithful forever, perfect in love. Whatever you face, know that he is still God. He still reigns. The darkness will lead to dawn. I just want to briefly mention the people in Joseph's life who were part of his journey and part of God's purposes. For example, Reuben, his brother, who persuaded the others not to kill him and planned to rescue him. The prison warder, who recognized Joseph's God-given gifting and ability. The cupbearer, who, although initially forgetting it, him was in the right place at the right time to suggest Joseph as someone who could interpret Pharaoh's dream. We too have people that God places around us to serve a purpose at that point in our journey. When we place our trust in him, we can know whether in a season of plenty or a season of need that there are people in our lives that have been sent by the one who loves us. Maybe you can even bring someone to mind now. Thank God for that purpose. 
for that person and their guidance in your life. And Joseph himself was a witness to the presence and authority of God when he encountered other people. In verse 38, it says, Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Our response to difficult times can speak powerfully to others around. The peace and presence of God can be evident in our lives and witness to his love and grace. People can see the difference that Christ makes in our life. So the theme I was given this morning was how to sustain faith in dark times. And so it seems appropriate to have a few practical suggestions to answer the how-to part. Things you could put into practice when or if you find yourself struggling. You might find one thing that's useful and that makes a difference. Or perhaps this is some advice that you could give to somebody else. I have to say that these are ideas that I've picked up over the years through listening and reading, and I'm sorry that I can't give the appropriate credit to where these came from. I am by no means standing here and saying I have all the answers, because I don't. So firstly, look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If we look around at our current situation, we'll be sinking in worry, fear, and despair. Lifting our eyes up to the one who saves is the only way to live free when you find yourself in the midst of tough times. Leave your concerns at his feet and keep your focus on Christ. When we choose to look up, we're constantly reminded of where our true strength and help comes from. Secondly, know that God is with you. As we've already said this morning, Emma has already reminded us, the Bible is full of promises that remind us of God's love and his presence before us and around us. Stand on those promises. Declare that God is still with you, even if in that moment you can't feel it. God is leading and carrying us, even when we don't know how we're getting through each day. He is our place of safety and shelter from the storm. We are held and carried in his arms. Talk to God. When we're hurting, it can be really hard to pray. We don't know what words to say. The words just don't come. And yet connecting with God on a personal level can renew our mind, comfort our heart, and give us peace. If you find that you don't know what to say, try reading verses from the Bible and praying his truths back to him. In that way, we're speaking living words out into the darkness that we find ourselves in. Praise him. We need to make the choice to lift our heart and voice in worship. Maybe you're hurting, you're desperate, you're crying as you sing the words through a broken voice. But God hears, he knows, he understands our pain. And in Psalm 91, we're reminded that as we praise, his presence is close to us. He comforts the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. There's a song that I've been listening to in the last couple of weeks by someone called Philippa Hanna. If you want to look that up on your Spotify. Philippa Hanna, it's called You're Still God. It reminds us that in those times, we can still praise him. He still reigns and he is still God. Choose joy. It's hard sometimes to keep choosing joy when life seems to be pressing down. It may be hard to even find a reason to laugh or smile 
when we feel close to tears. But there's always something somewhere that we can find joy in. We may have to look for it, but God wants to lift our burden and reminds us there's still hope ahead. And then being community. People are so important in this journey of life. Friends and family who will stick with us no matter what we face, who will cover us in prayer and offer wise advice and help. We were never meant to journey alone, and especially in times of deep heartache. Don't be ashamed that you're reaching out for help. We all have times that we need the help of others. And God can use our stories to help others in the years to come. It's only through our own pain, grief, or hardship that we can have a fuller understanding of what others walk through as well. There's great comfort in knowing that God will use what we have experienced, no matter how difficult, to help someone else. Joseph was a very different person when he emerged from that prison as he went in when he first arrived. Personal times of darkness will always change us. We're a different person when we've walked through the storms of life. But through Jesus, we have the assurance that our dark days will be used for ultimate blessing. God is with us in the darkness, working in ways that we cannot see. And one day, he will make sense of it all. I'm just going to close with some words uh, again from Jolene Filo from North Point Church. One day in the future, we will look back and see that he was with us and that he brought us to an unexpected and purposeful presence beyond our wildest imaginings. When that truth settles into the depths of our souls, we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is with us and that he has made our hearts to prosper. We're moving into a, a time of response. We're, we're going to sing, and then we're going to hear some words of promise, words of promise about God's faithfulness to us. Verses that remind of his, his constant presence, love and care. And in those moments, allow God to speak into your situation, to minister to your needs. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. During that time, if you want to stand or sit, do whatever you feel you need. But let God remind you of his constant presence to you.